Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, the musical podcast where we talk about everything that musicals teach us. I am Zane C. Webber and with me around the table to talk musicals tonight are... Julie Eisentrager and... Miranda Selwood. And those are our two regular hosts, but we have a special host back to do a real episode where she isn't just hosting, it is the one and only... Jessica K. Ryan. Hi! And so I've already marked this explicit. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to um, watch myself. Just probably say. But I have promised Jess that she gets to do most of the Sondheim shows on here. Oh, so, so many Sondheims. So is a very, well, it's an interesting Sondheim uh, that she's picked this this week. It is. Merrily we roll along. Merrily we the roll flop, along. the great flop of Sondheim. One of them. <laughs> This is the great one, though, this isn't is it? This is the great one. Yeah. Like, the first the one. floppiest of the flops. The one Aww. that he was, uh, he didn't want to. He's like, come I quit. From. I quit theatre. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go write crosswords. Pencil See ya. Down. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And then he came back with. Sunday in the Park with George. George. Yes. So. The one that I did last time with you all present. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, because we know Jess already quite well. We're going to play a different game, and each of us is going to cast Jess in a musical. Hooray! If they could actually be real shows for me to do, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right, I'm just going to sit and look pleasant. Okay. Um, I'm seeing a comedian. I try. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. Am I I in the ballpark? Yeah. A comedian. I think... I think um, a show with a, a like a good, strong female comedy role, like, like, like. see, I want to say a show like How Get- to Succeed. <clears throat> that's what I was. I, that's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, but like more Mad Men. Get yeah. comfy, guys. Get comfy. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my god. Maybe like a Bianca. What is going on? A Bianca and Kiss Me Kate. I'd love to play Bianca. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's sassy. She's sass queen. Yeah, she is. I love her. And the hair. <laughs> yes. Live for it. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think it's too soprano, but Maria from Sound of Music. Oh, my God. I would love to. 
easily one of the dreams. I mean, I know Julie Andrews can sing up there, but Maria isn't. She doesn't do She's all her She does. I got a little bit up there. She's a soprano. <laughs> Maria's definitely a soprano. Fine. But, but, but she doesn't have to be. A... I know Mary Martin wasn't too soppy. No, no. She was much more vibrato-y. Yeah. And? I could be on the Mary Martin end of the scale when it comes to Maria, I think. Not the Julie Andrews yeah, yeah, bit of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yep. And one of the musicals that I've only recently, like, delved into in one of the past episodes, um, Rosa Budd in Drood, a mysterious. Yeah. I think I think that would be really fun for you. Betsy Wolf's role. Even if. Even Is if it because it's a murder mystery? And we know Jess Cage quite well from her Cluedo she expedition. She loves a murder, it's doesn't true. she? She does love <laughs> yeah. a murder. Uh, Catron murder in the land yeah. of Oz on that's not kind of productions.com. Um, <laughs> but no, Rosa Bud, if not, if not Drood. Oh hmm. my God. The only note that kind of freaks me out is the, yeah. the E <laughs> at the end. What's an E, darling? That's still on the stage, isn't it? <laughs> no problem. Oh, right. Yeah. No, Jude would be fun. Also, that like terrifying, you know, Cluedo esque, like, who's it going to be tonight? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Yep. Julie, your turn. Oh, she's grooving. She dancing. She's, she, she's finding inspiration in the music. Oh, she's music in the my music mind. In her head. Yeah. I'm going to go Wednesday Adams. <gasps> would love to. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. I don't have to have a reason. <laughs> My reason is yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I I pulled was in the rep book a while ago. That was how I that was the song I got into uni with. Oh, well done. It yeah. was with pulled. Mainly skrelted the entire bit of it, but, but like they like they like the sound I'm of sorry. that skrelt. Skrelted? Screen yeah, belt. I'm seeing. Oh, screen oh, belt. That was not the image I had in my head. Oh. <laughs> Skrelt. Yeah, it's, it's when when you're trying to build just a bit too high. Uh, so you... My like the the look I remember so vividly from the panel was when um, Christmas Eve sugar plums, and I did this like <laughs> I don't know what I did. I just like shook my head and screamed sugar plums, and the look on Paul Savy's <laughs> face was like, oh no, oh no, What's I must this? have her in this course. <laughs> what is this? All, all right. right. Look, I'll take all of those next week. We'll start rehearsals next week. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's uh, let's take a break and we'll get straight into talking about merrily. We roll along. Hooray! So, Jess, what can you tell us about merrily? Okay, we roll along. We were all along. So I was trying to like think back to when I started, when I knew about Meryl Lee, because like my first foray into Sondheim was Into the Woods and then it spiraled out How of control. Unusual. Yeah. How unusual to start it Into the Woods. <laughs> my music teacher in high school, Mr. Crump, shout out Mr. Crump. Um, Mr. Crump. Yeah. The Crump with the accompanying dance move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he introduced me to Into the Woods when I was like 15. And then it's a good I, age for it. Yeah, into the woods, and I think Sweeney, and then meh, meh, meh. so I have no idea when Merrily came into my life, but I absolutely fell in love with it mainly because I love a story that starts at the end and then goes to the beginning. How I many know. of those are there? I bet the memento. 
Enough. And then half of last five years. Yeah. <laughs> Just one half. Yeah. Um, the better half, though, we have to say, as yes. a lady person. Oh, be- a better half of last the five years. The better half of the last five years goes backwards. Definitely. Team Kathy all the way. Anyway, we won't get into that. Um, so then the ne- the documentary came out that Lonnie Price did about him talking about Merrily because he was so um, – the opening line of the – documentary is basically I got to be a part of one of I got to be a part of a Stephen Sondheim musical and how Prince show and I never got over it Mm. and it's I like that I just blew my mind because he was the epitome of everything that I am as a Sondheim fan so Merrily so how Prince and Stephen Sondheim amazing dynamic duo of musical theater realness like so good how Prince's wife Judy was like do a show about kids. You've got kids. You love your kids. Like, why not do something for them? Spoiler alert, how Prince's daughter then gets into Merrily we roll along. Anyway. <laughs> Whoa. Do it for them, literally. Literally. <clears throat> so there was all this buzz about this new Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim show. There was an open casting call. They, like, they posted it in, like, nationwide newspapers to get kids to audition for like a Sondheim musical. Mm. And so all the nerds descended upon New York. (laughs) They had like, I think it was like close to 5,000 young people trying out for Merrily. Oh, that's a, that's a good turnout. (laughs) When you don't even know what the show is. Yeah. Yeah. Like all they know is that Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince are looking for, I think it was 16 to 24 year olds. And this is going to be a brand new show. So, um, before they did the massive round of casting calls, they actually, Merrily was one of the first times that they did like a practiced, like they did a read through of the show just so how Prince and Sondheim could like hear it being said. So they had, they handpicked, um, like a whole big group of young professional actors to read the script of Merrily. And then Sondheim would be on the piano playing out the song and like they could hear it hmm. and they like knew what was working and knew what wasn't. So then they do this massive open casting call. And as I said, the nerds descend and everyone goes in and then there's this amazing moment in the documentary where they've got the group of people that are going to be in Merrily and how Prince was like, they all look like very scared and very serious. And then he's like, surprise, you're in the show. (laughs) And they all lose their ever loving minds. So, 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 so good. But then there was a delay because Sondheim was struggling with um, uh, he brings it up. They bring it up in the documentary. He wanted to write like he was twenty five again. It's difficult to do when you're not twenty five. When you're not twenty five anymore, and you're very successful because twenty five was when Sondheim had his first major musical, West Side Story. He was twenty five. Yeah. When the when he wrote the lyrics for West Side Story. Twenty five year olds. What are you doing with your life? Maria. Currently a 25-year-old and doing absolutely nothing except coming to Zane's house and doing several podcasts a and week. This, this is exactly what's going to make it big, right, everyone? This is this yep. is the stairway to fame. Sorry. Right? I missed the boat. <laughs> I got a little hand on my knee at that point. I was like, how is Zane touching me from there? Vivi. <laughs> hey. Hi, darling. Yeah, that was terrifying. So... They go into rehearsals. They've got all these young kids. Um, the cast during this time, obviously, they're except for like one or two people within the cast. The majority of them were amateur actors. Oh, in a because they're young. Yeah, because yeah. they're young and they, they haven't done have, anything. Yeah. They don't have the 
gusto behind them to know what it's like to rehearse a show and get it ready and then go into tech and all that crap. So um, all of them like start losing their minds and they're just kind of like, we're in a Sondheim show. This is so great. And then um, obviously I think one of the overlying problems of Merrily as a process for Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince is that they took it so personally. It was something that they wrote for themselves. So that, yeah, it was a love project for all of them. Hal Prince describes Merrily being the best time that he's ever had in a rehearsal room. Like imagine being like surround, imagine you're Hal Prince and you've just got these keen as young people who, when you say, can you, you're going to cross stage left and then you're going to do this. And they just go, yes, Hal Prince, no worries. Instead yes, of Prince. like. Thank you, Hal Prince. Yeah. May I have another Hal Prince? Yes. Instead more? of. One more? Instead of like people like, you know, uh, name that comes to mind, Manny Patinkin being like, but why? why now, do, you're but asking why me to cross that? left of stage. What if I just stood here and the stage moved around me? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, I can't exactly, Mandy exactly. Patinkin never said that. <laughs> no, look, I'm paraphrasing. Patty, maybe. <laughs> All right. So, October 8, 1981, they start tryouts and it doesn't go well. No, it doesn't, does it? Mm. It really doesn't go well. The um Jason because Jason Alexander was in the original production of Merrily and he was describing literally singing to people's backs as they walk out the theatre. Jeez. This show that these kids, these young kids, the youngest person in the cast was 16. A 16-year-old performing in a Broadway musical and imagine you're like singing your guts out and people are walking out of the theatre. You'd be destroyed. Sucker. So they were. (laughs) Julie, Julie. full of heart. 16-year-old Julie. But especially, you know, if you imagine that that. That rehearsal period being so much fun for how Prince, how good it is for everyone else. How positive and, it would have felt in the and room then and then to have that. How ignorant of like what the response oh, is going to be so and then happening. Oof. You'd be crushed. Classic. So there were chops, changes all that time. Literally like scripts being stuffed under the door before curtain saying like this scene's cut, this one's in, not doing mm. this, blah, blah, blah. And you know how Sondheim is. Literally going up to cast members in the Merrily production being like, there's an and in that sec- sentence. Don't forget the and. And and Anne Morrison, who was playing Mary, she didn't know, but she was dyslexic. She's oh. dyslexic and she didn't know during Merrily because she was having such a hard time as a reader. Yeah, yeah. Grappling with what was going on. And it's like, you had dyslexia and you didn't know it. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> anyway. That would be the test, though, the ultimate test to figure out, wait, (laughs) am I dyslexic or am I not? Can I get through a Sondheim production where he literally changes the lyrics every day? Mm. Yes, Mm. but it was hard. It was fucking hard. Struggle town. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the really famous changes in the, like, tryout session was that how Prince cut the costumes. Oh, that's right. So that's it. Six no costumes. Naked, to, naked it is. <laughs> this is how we keep them. No, 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 no. 16 to 24-year-olds in adult clothing playing middle-aged people. He was like, I'm not happy with it. He asked Anne Morrison, who was playing Mary, what do you think? I'm going to cut all the costumes. And she's like, you're Hal Prince. Of, like, do whatever you got to do. You're the, you're the man. Yeah. And all what they wore were sweatshirts that said 
like, so Frank, the lead, had Frank and then Mary had best pal and Charlie had best pal and then there was, like, Gussie had one and Joe had one and Fan had one. So no costumes, but they had to put words on them yeah. to determine who they were. <laughs> Except two of them said the same thing. <laughs> Best. Well, they were it's, clearly it's pretty easy to distinguish different between. people because one was male, one's a male, yeah. one's a female. I don't care. <laughs> You're best right. Gal pal, I don't see best gender. Guy pal. And then you also, should type a letter, Julie. Dear Hal, <laughs> dear Hal, you made some mistakes. You Seriously, made some errors. Did you know? <laughs> Did you? Merrily's not a perfect show, Hal. <laughs> oh, so, um, poor Hal. He'd probably get that email and cry. Oh, Stop making Hal friends cry, cry Julie. Julie. My God. Anyway, um, also one of the really famous changes in previews was that uh, James Weissenbach, who was originally Frank, was replaced. So there's this whole thing in the documentary where Lonnie Price and Anne are talking about what was going on. They were like, there's something wrong. There's something wrong between the three leads. Um, Lonnie and Anne are too polished and um, James is such and such. And then James Weissenbach said, told this story that he went to a restaurant near the theatre and he couldn't get a table. And that was the day before he was fired. So the people at the restaurant knew a day before that he the day before he did that he was getting fired from Merrily because he couldn't get a table. So they got Jim Walton and Jim Walton's an amazing Broadway performer. He's still performing. Edwin Drood, which we were talking about mm. before, he was in the, um, the um, recent revival cast. The 12. So Jim Walton went on for... Um, Frank, and then they were like, yep, that's it. But the thing was, James Weissenbach's name was like all over the print media, <laughs> just everywhere. But so that delayed opening. So it they um, delayed it a first time because they replaced the choreographer, Ron Fields, with Larry Fuller. So then they, um, they delayed a second time from November 9th to November the 16th. Mm. They also had to delay from November 9th, 1981, because that was my birthday and it is way for me to be born. <gasps> <laughs> Okay. Guys, we cannot do it until you Miranda cannot is open born. on the same day as Miranda is born. Okay, you just can't. Can't do it. It's a red letter date. So funny. We need to leave it be. So, um, finally, it opened November sixteenth, nineteen eighty one, at the Alvin Theatre, and the show was basically trashed. The only review in a major print media mm. form was from the Washington Post, and one of the cast members said, "My dad." who was like a big New York Times reader, started subscribing to The Post because they were the only paper that were nice about the show <laughs> and like posted the review like all throughout yeah. their house to make him feel better. Aww. So um, the guy <laughs> Thanks, the, Washington Post. The guy that trashed Merrily in New York Times was in the, the um, documentary, which I thought was interesting because he's just like, They're my, they were my heroes and it just wasn't very good, but – then he was like, "Oh, but I listen to it now and I love it." I'm like, "Well, then, yeah." What? You, what? Anyway, I think but there, I, are sh- there are plenty of shows like that. I listen to shows and I'm like, "Oh, seriously, why do people like this? You have to wait for them to grow on you because they take true. a level of understanding that you don't I get think, in the first run." I think run. that's my problem with Bands Visit is like I I'm still trying to let it. Mm. Find its place in my head. In your it head. Hasn't, I'm not there it yet. Just, it, the pieces yeah. haven't clicked together yet. And yeah. I think that is something that Sondheim shows suffer from a lot generally. I like, had a conversation with somebody the other day who told me that he didn't like Sondheim because he doesn't like Sweeney Todd. And I was like, 
How can you not like spinning top? Yeah, exactly. Like, are you? Are you kidding? And I was person? like, lucky I'm not a Sondheim purist. I'm not lucky I'm not a Sweeney Todd purist to completely rage at you in public right now. Because he's like, oh, I like my musicals poppy. I was like, company, merrily, assassins. What more do you want? Yeah, but they're so wordy and uh, like. Mm. Oh, they have words and rhythms. Oh, okay, so this is my favorite quote from <laughs> the Frank Rich review from the New York Times. As we should all probably have learned by now, to be a Stephen Sondheim fan is to have one's heart broken at regular intervals. Whether and then Clive Barnes, this was the good review from the Washington Post. No, from the New York Post. Um, Whatever you may have heard about it, go and see it for yourselves. It is far too good a musical to be judged by those twin kangaroo courts of of word of mouth and critical consensus. So the audience, because Merrily starts from the end of a – end of this friendship between these three people and then goes back to when they met. Yeah. Um, the audience was having a lot of trouble following the story. Um, the actors, and as I said, ended up all wearing sweatshirts with their characters' names on it. And someone wrote, uh, Merle Seacrest wrote, Prince dressed everyone in identical sweatshirts and pants. Then he had to add names emblazoned across the sweatshirts because the audience had difficult telling the actors apart. That's what Julie just said. So they obviously were doing that for Julie. <laughs> Julie showed up and she was like, um. Dear how? I mean, I wasn't born, but I showed up. <laughs> well, yeah, you would. I was you? born by the 16th. <laughs> so it ran for only 16 performances after opening. Yeah. I still couldn't, like, wrap your head quite around make it. it. Uh, yeah. I literally, like, just, I couldn't have flown there in no. time to see it Babe. before it closed. And honestly, <clears throat> like, there are, this is by no means my favorite Sondheim, but. 16 performances, that's anyone unnecessarily can, harsh. Anyone Can Whistle had half of that. Yeah. They had eight. That's that's one week. That's good run. <laughs> like, it is. <clears throat> and so the day after they closed, um, they went and recorded the cast recording. Yeah. And this show, because of how hurt Stephen Sondheim and how Prince were, Sondheim swore that he was never going to write another musical ever again. And it also broke up the extremely important relationship and professional relationship of Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, yeah. And when they did the 2002, like, uh, concert revival with the original cast, that's what was so prolific about it was that Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince both got up at the curtain call and they gave each other a hug. And that is the moment in the... Netflix documentary where I cried. (laughs) Winky face? Was it like Uh, No, uh, Hal Prince is married with two kids. Oh, yeah, that can stop it. (laughs) And Stephen Sondheim was with somebody. And also they've been estranged for a long time. They're probably not going to – it's not in front of people that that happens. Yeah, it's the best time to like, get it on. So um, (laughs) it was then performed off-Broadway in 1994 – performed regionally, lots of companies um, internationally have done it. The most recent would be uh, the New York Encores production with Lin-Manuel Miranda and Mm. Celia Keenan-Bolger and then the really great um, West End revival of Merrily with uh, my gal, what's her name? What's her face? Oh, my God, she's so good. Oh, my God, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's her name? I can't tell you I'm not on cast. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What is her name? Dun, I can't dun, remember. Dun, 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 uh, dun, Jenna dun, Russell. Dun, 
name sounds familiar. Sun Sunday in the Park with George Revival Cast Broadway and the UK. Oh yeah. Yes. Played, uh, well, I think if mate. you've if you've already done Sunday in the Park with George, you already know some of the music from early. Yeah, that's yes. yes. <laughs> that's what Gorsi and I were talking about last night. There is so like when you l- listen to Merrily knowing son like knowing Sunday, you kind of go. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, apparently no one saw Merrily, so he probably felt. Okay. <laughs> I'll just reuse all this. No one just will know. Reuse the chords; it'll be fine. <clears throat> so yes, that is my history. And well, even though it only ran so few shows, it was nominated for three Tonys. What? what? Tony, no, sorry, Tony, sorry. Tony. It was nominated for one Tony, Best Original Score. It was nominated for two Drama Desks, of which it won one, Outstanding Lyrics, but it was nominated for Outstanding Music as well, the Sundime. And I mean, you just we have- like you, Sundime. Hell, Prince. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. Hell, Prince, you put them in sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> No best director for you. No one wins awards for that. So, yes, it is an extremely important piece of Sondheim history because we nearly lost him because of it. Not that he died, (laughs) but we nearly... Retired. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't have had a lot of things if he actually had... Followed through. Followed through. Um, And that breaks my heart a lot because I, you know, I think as actors and performers... When it comes to new work, and this is what I was talking with James Gorsi about last night, is that people are so quick to cut down new work if it's bad. And it's so personal because when you're creating something new and exciting and different and something that you love when you don't, when people are so quick to tear it down, it just rips your heart out. And especially like with a critic saying something and then just word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth, and people just maybe showing up to the show just to leave. Oh, I I cannot imagine. And to be honest, like it it is so easy to imagine for people that wanted to cut some time and help Prince down just to getting the opportunity. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about what the show is actually about. Okay, Miranda, what is the story of Merrily We Roll Along? I would love to tell you. Um, first of all, it seems to have nothing to do with the title. That's mm-hmm. an unusual Sondheim thing to do, isn't it? Um, a little night music. Yep. Into the Woods definitely has something to do with it. Also, Sweeney Todd, very, very. Yep. Okay. And they that's, definitely that's, say that's Sunday two in the for Park two. with George. Two each way. Yeah, Sunday in, Sunday the, in Park. the Park. Company? Uh, See, there is I, a group of people. Yeah, but when that, I hear the title company, I think, oh, it's a business musical. It's a business oh, it's a business. Musical. <laughs> it's not, is it? It's a business. Anyway, uh, so Merrily We Roll Along is um, not about merrily rolling anywhere. Oh, no. man, <clears throat> I only came here for a musical about rolling down green hills. No. <laughs> I'm out. Bye. You, you are Bye. out. Um, but in this case, it is not sometimes fault because the name comes directly from the source material. I forgot to mention that. It's okay. I'm mentioning it now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is based upon the 1934 play of the same name by George Kaufman and, and Moss Hart. Hart. So it's their fault. Um, and that is a quote from Is the from story the, the problem that they had? 
No. I think I think most of the reviews that I read, they really mentioned they the really sweaters with the name. They really mentioned the libretto. <laughs> yes. They didn't like the libretto. Yes. Right. And the book was by George Firth with lyrics and music by Stephen Sondheim and directed by... Hal Prince. Hal Prince. Hal Prince. Um, so uh, Firth and Sondheim, Firth who wrote the book and Sondheim who created lyrics, uh, retained the structure and overall theme of the play but basically moved it. Mm. So it was now set in the um, 1950s to 1970s, sort of mid-50s to mid-70s. The story revolves around Franklin Shepard, who having once been a talented composer of Broadway musicals, has now abandoned his friends and his songwriting career to become a producer of Hollywood movies. Bow, bow. Like the play, the musical begins at the height of his Hollywood fame and moves backwards in time, showing snapshots of the most important moments in Frank's life that had shaped the man that he is today. It utilises a chorus that sings reprises of the title song over and over, sometimes called Merrily We Roll Along, but mostly called Transition. Transition number something. Yeah. Um, five. At least five times. Six. I've had a sixth. <laughs> but the first iteration is actually called Merrily We Roll Along, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Correct. Um, so a bit of a Greek chorus situation going on there. <clears throat> so the synopsis. Um, the synopsis changed numerous times um, uh-huh. every time they changed the show. Um, and that wasn't just previews to Broadway but the iterations of, afterwards, of shows before after, and yeah. after, yeah. Um, so changes were still being made. Firth and Sondheim were um, still allowing other people to make changes in future changes productions. Themselves. Yeah. So um, things have been swapped around and moved around and stuff. One of the biggest things was that Sondheim wrote a song quite late in the piece that got added to it called Growing Up. Which- oh, Jim Walton singing that, making me cry. <laughs> Now, we've talked about this a few times. Sometimes I'll I'll just throw a piece in at the end at the Finishing last minute. The hat. Finishing the hat. What was um what was the other one? Um it was in Was it Being Alive? No, no, no. It was in mm. a little night music. Uh he Oh send in the clowns. Send in the clowns. Just, you know, yeah. casually throw that one in at the end. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is not that case of I'll just casually throw in the most poignant song and the best song of the score right at the last minute because uh, I wouldn't call Growing Up the best known song in this show. No, 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 no. I wouldn't call the best known. I like the song, but, you know, there's more. There's oh, yeah, better. I, I, I like the song. And if you told me that Not A Day Goes By was like <laughs> the last bit, yeah. I would have been like, Horn of Wool, Nelly. <laughs> that, see, but that's what I would expect following that pattern. Yeah, but yeah. I guess that pattern doesn't start until after this. Definitely. So, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, So, yes, the synopsis that I'm going to talk about now, and I'm going to try and be really brief, so you're going to have to help me with this. I will. um, Is the revised 1994 York Theatre version of the show, Mm -hmm. which seems to be the accepted, possibly most workable version. Would that be... Yeah, I, I, because I went back to the original, because I was like, oh, Miranda's like going to school me. She's going to school no, me on no, the original. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not school, school nobody me. on no fun time. I tell you, no, <laughs> no. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, uh, Franklin Shepard is rich and famous and an influential songwriter and film producer. Let's sing a title song about it. Yeah. All right, done. 
We've sung a Okay, so now we just skip it. to like interval. Is that see? No? Funny because the original production started with him at a high school graduation, and then went to the end, and then came back to the graduation. So no, it was him as Franklin <clears throat> Shepard's successful movie guy presenting like the you know like get famous people to do the speeches at high schools and stuff. Oh yeah. So it started with him being like I'm Franklin oh. Shepard and meh, 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 and then went to the movie party. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Okay. Um, as the years roll back over 20 years of his life, we see how he went from a penniless composer to wealthy producer, but more importantly, what he gave up to get there, which seems to revolve mostly around his friendships. Yes. Yeah. And in yeah, particular, yeah. the friendship of the three main characters. Mm-hmm. And it, fucking over a lot of other people. How long and there's how that to. explicit tag. Sorry. <laughs> there it is, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Just Cash. Um, so this starts in a swanky LA pad. So we're in the 70s, the premiere of his last film, Party and Everyone Very Excited. His mm-hmm. oldest friend and theatre critic um, is at the party. That's This is Mary um, and she's pretty Hammered. much just like, come on, these people, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so we see that there's obviously been a, a long degrading of the respect in their friendship. Mm-hmm. I would, is that a nice way to put it? Yeah. Yes. That's um, a very nice, nice way to put it. Probably the nicest way to put it. <laughs> um, somebody at the party mentions a Pulitzer Prize winning play by Charles, <gasps> Frank's former best friend and lyricist. So this is someone who he used to work with doing Broadway shows. Um, and there's also quite a bit of love lost there. So they're the two main friends who... who Best pal and best pal. Best pal and best pal if you're following the shirt. uh, The shirt theme. The shirt theme. Um, Frank admits that his last film is a bit like, "Eh, whatever, but he seems to be very focused on the fact that he's successful and making money and Mary is not... She's not jazzed about it. Not jazzed about it. She... what? There's a line that she says... These are the movers, these are the shapers, these are the people that give you vapors. <laughs> Not stunned. Um, I'm skipping ahead, skipping ahead, skipping ahead. Mm-hmm. There's some drunken rage. Oh, yep. Frank's wife, Gussie, arrives and they start to argue. Yeah. Who marries a person named, named Gussie? Okay, okay, that's not Gussie's fault. Who names a child Oh, look a little Gussie. Will a girl child. Can a girl I just child. Say, her, might, her name might be Augusta. Yes. Augusta. Can I just say, I actually really like that name for a character. Gussie. Because you immediately a have a very strong picture child. in your head of She's who this Augusta. person is. The lady that yeah. played Gussie in the original Broadway production, like, man, she's like the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. She'd have to be because they <laughs> named it <laughs> Gus. Gussie. Gussie. Like Terry Gusta. Finn. Like... Anyway, she's angry um, that the leading role in Frank's movie, which apparently she was supposed to star in, was given to a younger actress, Meg. Meg. Um, Bloody Meg. <laughs> he confesses The aforementioned that- Daisy Prince. Oh. And Laura Greenholch in the yeah. recent Melbourne production. She played Meg. We'll get on to Castle later. <laughs> uh, so... Um, Frank confesses that he's been so concentrated on being successful that he hasn't he hasn't really looked after people on the way. Oh, um, the I'd evening say that's true. ends traumatically when Gussie confronts Frank with the knowledge of his infidelity with Meg. There's an affair. What? One he of many. ends their marriage and she viciously attacks Meg. <gasps> poor Meg. Poor Meg. Hashtag poor Meg. Also, can you just like that's it? 
I'm ending our marriage. Done. I mean, isn't there like lawyers and stuff involved? I mean, yeah, but like this someone has to say it to first. Sign. Okay. Well, then we go back in time. First transition. Merrily, merrily. Woo. Yeah. 1968. 1973, actually. 1973. Frank and Charles are about to be interviewed by a TV studio. Oh, it's my favourite. Mary's there. Charles tells her that Frank never has the time to write shows with him anymore. So this is, um, I assume we are now looking at that moment where Frank and, and Charles, Charles go their apart. separate ways. Yeah. <clears throat> the breakup, if you will. Um, there's a little song in here called Old Friends Like oh. It Was, um, which points out a few interesting differences between an old friend and a good friend. Mm. Oh, you Sondheim, you dog. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I wonder mm. who he was thinking about when he wrote this song. I wonder because that person knows who they are and someone out there exists in the world knowing that they're an old friend, not a good friend of sometimes. Yep, indeed. Um, Mary is becoming a drunk. It's important to notice that. Uh, We already know that she completely became one in the previous scene, so Mm. um, I guess we're going to see that go backwards as well. Um, Charlie realises that Mary after two years, 20 years, sorry, is still in love with Frank. Um, When Frank finally arrives with his new wife, Gussie, in tow, because backwards, I can see how this could be confusing. Um, I mean. (laughs) There's tension and stuff. Yeah. It could be confusing, but I I don't think it's inherently confusing. There's a couple of other side characters involved here with Gussie's backstory, um, her ex-husband. Joe. Joe, who uh, was a producer, by the way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, at this point, Frank signs a three-picture deal and this seems to be the end of the Charlie and Frank writing Broadway shows thing. Um, their friendship is over. Aww. Franklin Shepherd Inc. Yeah. He disowns Charlie and walks out. Very dramatic, Frank. <clears throat> it's a musical. And now it's 1968. <laughs> 1968. Mary and Charlie and Frank are in Frank's new apartment on Central Park West. Exciting. <laughs> Let's sing a transition about it. Okay. Um, they're welcoming Frank back from a cruise. Welcome back, Frank. Oh, my gosh. I feel like everything is just happier now. <laughs> He's so tan. All three of them are together. Um, Charlie has brought along Frank's young son, Frankie. Do we have to talk about this? No. Who names their son after themselves? I think everyone. Oscar Hammerstein. <laughs> and his dad. <laughs> and his dad. That's why I said Oscar Hammerstein the first. Um, we seem to have another divorce in the picture, though. Uh huh. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Gussie is his second wife. Oh my god. Beth. Not a dad. Okay, so Frank has a son, Frankie. From the previous mm. wife, mm-hmm. who at this point he has already divorced. Yes. Frank has brought a gift for each of his friends, a copy of Mary's best-selling novel in Spanish, so no one can read it, and a contract <laughs> for a film option on his and Charlie's show called Musical Husbands. That yeah. sounds great. Doesn't I it? W- I wouldn't watch that show. Why didn't Sondheim write that and release that instead of Merrily We Roll Along? I think he I think this is. I think this is that that show. Oh god! Because it's you know it's, it's a show within a show, guys. Anyway, Charlie's oh. not keen on the film option and argument. Um, <laughs> I liked the hands gesture. <laughs> argument. Argument. <laughs> argument. Sorry, you couldn't see that in podcast land. Um, 
Frank basically wants the money. He he needs it after his divorce, and Charles thinks that their friendship is more important. Let's sing old friends again. Um, but I love that song. <laughs> yes. Um, Frank's producer, Joe, and his wife, Gussie, arrive. I guess we'll see Gussie oh. later. But we already <laughs> but did. Back in the past. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is anyone else singing that song from Annie? Gussie are up. Just me. Just, just, just me. you. I think it's just you. <laughs> um, and we're going to reiterate, just for those who missed it in the previous section, Mary has been in love with Frank for years. And continues to be. And, and there's some champagne overindulgence. And this is where it all begins. <gasps> Don't drink the champagne. Don't do Don't it. Don't do it, Mary. Don't gulp it. You didn't see, obviously, my Facebook status the other day. I did. Don't drink champagne <laughs> ever. It ruins everything. It does. Um, Charlie and Frank have a little bit of a chat. Frank is having an affair. No, what? Never. Shocking. Oh, my God. I wonder who it's with. I don't know, but Charlie says he should probably stop it. Probs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and encourages him to go and um, with him and Mary to the club where they got their start. You know, remember old times would be great. Um, Frank leaves through, plays through an old song and attempts to make sense of his choices. He's doing some soul searching. Um, he's interrupted when Gussie returns and announces that she intends to divorce Joe and live with him, whether he <gasps> likes it or not. Shocking. When you I'm hear shocked. this sound, ding. It's time to turn the page. <laughs> On to nineteen sixty six. I love music so much. To act two. No. No. Good. Nineteen sixty six. Third transition. Uh, Frank is getting divorced from his pre- previous wife, Beth. Uh, Beth. 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 And they're fighting over custody of the son in Elizabeth. the courthouse. There are reporters. There's gossip. Um, Gussie has been subpoenaed. Everything's going wrong. Let's sing Not A Day Goes By. Oh, God, um, rip my heart out, please. Okay. Beth, him. Beth <laughs> takes um, their son away. She's moving to Houston. Um, and Frank collapses in despair but is consoled by Mary, Charlie, and his other remaining friends. So here friendship is really important. Yeah. He's going to forget that later. <laughs> or in the past. Previously. Act two. He's going to forget it later previously. Yeah. yeah. No, later, but yes, previously. Previously forget yep. it later. <laughs> Act two, 1964, Gussie is singing about Frank being in love with her. It's great. Does anything else important happen in this section? Not particularly. Um, skim, 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 skim. Skim, skim, skim. Gussie is performing in the musical, musical Husbands. Of course. Which is Frank and Charlie's first Broadway show. The curtain comes down, the audience applauds. I bet sometimes wondering what that sounds like. What that sounds like. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. He, he was very famous by this time. You know how all those 5,000 people say, oh, he's doing a show, we don't know what it is. Let's audition anyway because it's sometime. Yeah, but sometimes you forget. <laughs> you guys are so sometimes. mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, son. I love you so much. Yeah, if um, he listens to this, you're never getting cast sometime. I think we are. I think he's like, I but like guys, this. But guys, but guys, but guys, but guys, Charlie's wife, Evelyn, is in labor. No. And they go to the hospital. <sighs> what? Continue. I'm not actually shocked. Uh, Mary asks <laughs> Beth to stay behind, but isn't Beth going to the hospital? I'm so confused. Like, I know you're giving birth. Oh, no, Evelyn's giving birth. I'm so confused. Evelyn is Charlie's wife. Beth is Frank's wife. 
Mary says, hey, Frank's wife, you should stay here and make sure that Frank isn't left alone with Gussie. Can't tell you why. (laughs) Is that what happens? But Beth chooses to trust her husband. Big mistake. Never trust your husband. No, not with someone called Gussie. No. Don't trust Gussie. 1962, fourth transition. 1962. 1962. Okay. I went to chess for a second there, but I'm fine. Um, Frank, Beth, Charlie and Mary have all been invited to a party at Gussie and Joe's Elegant Sutton Place apartment. I bet this is where it all starts going wrong. Probably. Um, (laughs) Deliberately spilling wine on Beth's dress, Gussie pulls Frank away from the party goers. Clearly, Mm. there's some business starting Mm. to happen here in this moment. Gussie invites the songwriters to perform her latest song, Excuse for a Song in a Show. Excuse for a song. Is that what happens? Is it called Excuse for a Song in a Show? Just looking. It's called (laughs) Good Thing Going. Yeah. We had a good thing. The guests love it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Gussie's singing it. No, she's not. (laughs) Who's singing it? Gussie. Oh, I thought. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Frank and someone sing it. Oh, Gussie invites the songwriters to perform. Right. So Frank and Charlie are singing it. It started uh, They do an encore. They play the song again. Now the guests hate it and they're like, whatever. Those really fickle guests. Charlie storms out and Mary looks on worriedly. And let's, she does. Let's turn back time. It's 1960. If I could turn back time. Charlie, Frank and Beth are performing at a small nightclub in Greenwich Village with a supportive Mary lending a hand. I don't know why that sounds so weird. Poor Mary. Trying to appear bright and sophisticated, they perform a song celebrating America's new first family. Ah, Bobby and Jackie and Jack. Um, Joe is in the tiny audience and quite impressed, uh, as is his new fiance and former secretary, Gussie. Gussie. She's got she knows what she's doing. I feel like this is actually the story of like the rise of Gussie. (laughs) (laughs) Gussie, the musical. (laughs) That's what I'm starring in. Um, she's quite attracted to Frank at this first meeting. After the show, Frank explains to them that he and Beth are getting married. Just as a side note, great you like the show. Um, it becomes clear that the wedding is due to her being pregnant, but Frank says, oh, no, I'm happy. It's fine. Uh, Mary, Charlie, and Beth disapproving parents look on. The happy couple exchanges vows. Oh, my God, they just got married. It just happened. Hooray. 1959. 1959. Boom, Everyone's busy in New York working their way up the career ladder, taking any job they can and working feverishly at their respective songs, plays, and novels. Sondheim claims this is the only autobiographical song he's ever written. Opening doors. That really? Is that the song? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Opening doors. It's about all of us, us writers in the 1950s, knocking on the doors of producers and trying to get heard. There you go. Hear me. I am Sondheim. We haven't got time. I love that slide that they do. Oh, delish. Delicious. The men audition for Joe, but he wants more hummable tunes. Isn't that a direct quote from a review yeah, of sometimes? No, remember Jerry, old mate, who won for Lacage? Yeah. And he was like, people want hummable tunes yeah. on Broadway. Sorry about that, Sondi. But he said that later. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, my. Sondheim he can quoted, see into the future. No, no, he quoted Sondheim at Sondheim yes. to sass Sondheim. That's, that's what he did. Suddenly sass. that's so much worse. <laughs> I yeah. didn't even notice. Um, they decide instead of pursuing a show for Joe, they're going to do their own show. 
including a musical montage. And they end up auditioning and hiring Beth and they do a cabaret together, and which they perform in the previous scene. They sure do. Finally, it's October 1957. Uh, early in the morning, Frank and Charlie are on the roof of an old apartment house. They're about to commit suicide because they'll never make it or be anything. Wow, wow that escalated super quickly. And I really like the way Marina read it. Welcome to Santa. That's not actually what happens. They're on the roof of the old apartment house in New York City waiting for the first ever Earth orbiting satellite, which is so much more boring than my version. So much more boring. That's what they're pointing at on the poster, the meteor. Damn it to heck. Frank is about to be released from the army and he tells Charlie how much he likes his plays and proposes that they turn one of them into a musical. But he changes the title of it into a really shit one. He's like, how about this title? Take a left. It's so much better. And Charlie's like, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Nah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Their neighbour Mary arrives to view the satellite and meets the boys for the first time. Aww. And this is the three of them finally together at the beginning, at the end. But that's what makes it so good. You start with the cynicism and you you get the good and that's why it's good. Yeah. And Until you think about it and then it's like everything good ends up terrible. But suddenly <laughs> but it- Sputnik is there in the sky. <gasps> Sputnik. And now for the young friends... Anything is possible. Sing about it. I won't, but I will talk about them singing about it in our next segment about the music. Let's take a break. Do it. Alrighty then, let's talk about the songs. Are we ready, Miranda? No. I'm Miranda and I are having ice cream. As as is tradition in the middle of an episode, we served vanilla ice cream to That was only she loves me. That's not okay. <laughs> so are we we'll just do the original Broadway? Uh, because yes, that's correct. the Sondheim. And it's the short one. And also I didn't listen to any of them because I couldn't be bothered doing my homework. Mm, that's yeah. tradition, as again that is tradition. That is actually tradition. Mm-hmm. So yep. Zane and I actually had an opportunity to listen to the music on the way here in the car. Oh, delight. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been listening to it every day for the past week. A song entitled... She just does her homework. That's just what just does every day. <laughs> that's what happens when you bring it to the table. <laughs> Um, Merrily We Roll Along, or a song called Merrily We Roll Along, is sung or reprised one, two, three, four, five, six, six times. I think you name. can get away with it when it's the uh, the title song. Uh, no, you know that's not what you wanted to say. Well, it, when it's the titular song, there we go. it deserves to be reprised at least once. If it's I good. am surprised, though, and slightly disappointed. That it's not reprised at the end as a finale. Is it good enough to be reprised six times? Like, do you want to hear it again? It's a pretty good fucking song. Yeah, I I don't think... And there's the explicit tag again. (laughs) I don't think it goes... I don't think it's a circular musical. I think it ends up in a very different place than what it starts at. So I don't think it needs to be reprised at the end. But if you're going to use that as your link of the passage of time... Mm, Maybe. Wouldn't you pop it on the end? I'm just going to say, you know, sometimes you do what you want. Don't listen to the critics or Miranda. (laughs) All right. Just saying, maybe if they had put it at the end, (laughs) that would have been. When three quarters of the audience had already left, then. (laughs) That's what I was about to say. I think they had already gone by. Maybe they'd hear it and go, oh, come back in. 
I liked that one the first one time I heard it. Like how in Springtime for Hitler they all get up and walk yeah. out and then they hear Springtime for Hitler and they all come back in. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, then after one of the very many Merrily We Roll Along, we have Rich and Happy, Franklin Shepherd and Guests. Mm, um, we do. Another Merrily We Roll Along. Then it's Like It Was, Mary Flynn. And I like that. I, I, I like that song. Faves? Pardon? Your fave? Not my fave. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to pick a fave, for, for a favourite in this one. Pick one. Pick one. I, pick one. I do like Franklin Shepard Inc., but probably probably Old Friends. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Miranda, did you have a favourite from the car ride today? Um, We didn't hear the second part of it, which is my preferred part of it, but not a day goes by. Okay. Yeah, oh. we, we didn't hear the reprise. Mm. What is Franklin Shepard Inc.? Because it sounds delightful. It's funny. It's You'd enjoy patter. it. Yes, yeah. I think it's a patter song. You can tell by the title if I'm going to like it or not. It's it's basically Charlie saying that like, yeah, Frank's a really great musician, but he also is all about the money. Okay. So I Cute. would like to work with him again, but if he's in a different headspace than me. And so. tell that man to get back to his piano. Yeah. Especially how Lin-Manuel <laughs> yeah. says piano. <laughs> piano. <laughs> So good. Uh, then I have another Merrily that one, We Roll Sorry, along. just before we go off that yeah, one. Go. That one's also very City of Angels for me. The, the horns. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. But also the way the patter is done is a lot like um, oh, the exchange with the movie producer in City of Angels. Um, it just has such a similar feel. Cannot help you. Yeah, I can't remember it. It's I not can as only think of that duet. You're nothing. Have we done an episode on that? We have not yet. Bags. (laughs) Bags it. You've already got two more booked in. (laughs) Hey, one was meant to be done tonight. Thanks, Patrick Aitken. Wow, calling out Patrick. Yes, I will. And he'll listen to it. I studied all those assassination people. Don't worry, we'll do it in a couple months. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Another merrily we roll along. Then we have old friends, Franklin Shepard, Charlie Kringus and Mary Flynn. Yeah, I, I think this one is my favourite and I think okay. this kind of sums up a lot of what the show's about as well, kind of the difference between friends as you grow. Yeah. yeah. Then we have, guess what? Another reprise. Another reprise and merrily <laughs> we roll along. And then Not A Day Goes By, Franklin Shepherd, which is Miranda's faves. What is it? What is it? Tell me about it. Is it like ballady? Is it like you tell me? It's extremely heartbreaking. Not A Day Goes By. Mm-hmm. Mm. Heartbreaking. Just Ballady. sad. Yeah. Ballady. Mm. Yeah. Not just sad. It's it's sort of disappointed. Yeah, that yeah. recognition of disappointment. Mm. Fair, fair. All right. And then now you know Mary Flynn and Company, which is the end of Act One. Also a good song. Very good follow-up to Not A Day Goes By, yeah. I think. Act a two. It's a hit. Oh, that's an awkward hit. way to start, it's a isn't hit. it? <laughs> oh, guys, bless. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little ironic. Especially when you most people in the interval. Definitely. Yeah. Like people went to the toilet and never came back. They're like, it's oh. a hit. They're like, oh, the line for the toilet is so, you know what? May as well Blow it. Let's home. just go. Poor yeah. Poor Sondheim. It's a hell. And they look out into the empty audience and hear crickets. Awkward. So then you just turn the lights up so, they, so you can't see them. <laughs> And then we have, guess what? A reprise. A reprise. But they're all a bit different. Like they're they're in a formula, right? Yeah. And they all um, showcase like the passing of time. Yeah, Yeah. progress. 
And they're short. They're very short. Yeah. You know, at least a minute and a <laughs> he's half. He's not doing an Andrew Lloyd Webber where he's just reusing the same music because he doesn't have other material. <laughs> Which is my fear. It's my fear, Miranda. No. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Good thing going. Charlie Crink is from Franklin Shepherd. Sounds delightful. And then, guess what? This is probably not another reprise. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah! It's transition number five? Six. 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 Yeah, if we don't count the first one, one, five. And then we have Bobby and Jackie and Jack. I think that sounds fun. Would I like that one? Someone tell me. It's a song within the show. Julie, like, I think. Do you like company? No. Then you oh. probably won't like the songs in this musical. <laughs> Great. Because I think they're very comparable. You hear a lot of company in this show. I'll take it off my list of um, things I don't have to do anymore. But then again, it has a lot more brass than company. Oh, she so, likes brass. She, yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's like if you took. And um, Latin as well. Yeah. If you took company and Sunday in the Park with George and sort of melded the seriousness and theme of Sunday in the Park with. The banter and from company. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like conversational style of company, and then then you put a layer it with essence of Cheetah Rivera <laughs> and okay. City of Angels. I'm also imagining someone like squeezing a lemon of Cheetah Rivera, <laughs> which is delightful in my head. Anyway, and then yeah, just put like a little a little layer of City of Angels on, just like yeah. a sprinkling of City of Angels, yeah. just a and, little black and white sprinkles, and then you have Merrily. Okay, and great. The combination of all of those things works really nicely. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of the songs. Strangely, for Sondheim, for a Sondheim music, a lot of the songs you can kind of bop They're along catchy. to, sing along to. Mm. Yeah. I'd say it's his. Cat, it's probably one of the catchier ones. Yeah, definitely. Rather, you know, Sunday, my fave, but not the catchiest of tunes. It's not really no. a sing along show. No. So after Bobby and Jackie and Jack, we've got Not a Day Goes by Reprise. This is Miranda's song. Yes. Yes, pick. I prefer the Part reprise. Um, and then we have Opening Doors, which is. That's probably one of my favorites, I think. Yeah. 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 Franklin. It's a heartfelt song from Sondheim. There's a great version that they did um, for the Sondheim celebration. America Ferreira's in it. She plays Mary and Laura Osnes plays Beth. And it's just like the clarity. Oh, delicious. Delicious. Mm. Then we have Our Time, Delight, and then Capital Off with the Hills of Tomorrow. Behold the hills. Mm. I mean... I guess I, I hear what you're saying, Miranda, when you say like it, it, it doesn't feel like it ends strongly and most Sondheim musicals do kind of like this is the story and we've ended right here. This is where we're ending here. And, and here's one, the message of the whole show. I think, to bom, be honest, if it, was, if it was the same story told forwards, yeah. I feel like you'd walk out of the show being like everything is the worst. Yes, yeah. Whereas I finish merrily going, I they made choices and they did things, but they started off really well and you know, I think sometimes it is a cautionary just, tale for youth oh, as well. Oh god. Yeah. That's the thing like make better choices, young people. When they interviewed the like the cast and they were like, What would you say to yourself as you were in Merrily? They're like, You you, you don't know you don't know what you've got right now. Yeah. You you have no idea what's ahead of you. You just and I think that's the message of Merrily. Yeah. Keep your eyes open and be nice and keep your friends close and don't let it fuck up. Don't let it fuck up what's important. 
what you think is important, which is money and success. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Who wants money and success? I mean, I, mean, I would I like it, but I also would like to maintain the friendships that I have and not be a complete bitch about it, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. Speaking of the cast, let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about who has been in this musical in all its various iterations. Okay. All right. Who has been in it? Let me tell you. The original cast, controversially. Jim Walton. Oh, originally. So close. Originally, James Weissenbach. Originally, James Weissenbach. Oh, that's right. It couldn't be me. I was, was only busy. just not born. Only just <laughs> he not was born. real busy, love. Uh, Lonnie Price, Anne Morrison, Terry Finn, Jason Alexander. George Costanza. I can't stand ya. I can't stand ya. <laughs> this would have been just before. No, a little while before. 81. When did, when did Seinfeld start? It was late. 89. What's You'd have way? to Google it, Julie. I would have to Google He's it. He's got a Google machine too. Sally Klein, uh, Jeffrey Horn, uh, David Loud, uh, Daisy Prince. <laughs> Can we How just Prince? Back? How Prince? Sorry, yes. No, no. What are you what? drunk? What are you laughing about? Are you laughing at David, David Loud? Loud? That's just a great name for someone in theatre, don't you think? David mm. Loud. It's Never okay. mind. <laughs> so he's um he's actually not a performer first and foremost. He's a music director and conductor and arranger. Pianist Mr. Loud, and pianist. David Loud. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he, musician. Is that forte, Mr. Loud? <laughs> yeah. So he's best known for his collaborations and interpretations of the music of Candor and Ebb and Stephen Sondheim. So he's he works with there Stephen Sondheim now into yeah. the woods. Uh, Liz Calloway, Tonya Perkins, Abby Pograben, I'm going to say, and Giancarlo Esposito. Liz Calloway, hearts don't fail me now. Yeah. Oh, don't Anya slash Anastasia in Anastasia. Baby and the whole lot. Swan Princess. Odette in Swan Princess, yeah. Jasmine in Aladdin. In the Aladdin sequels. Yes, not. In the Aladdin sequels. Not last longer. So. Uh, in off on the off the streamlined off Broadway production ninety four yes so it had uh, Malcolm Getz as Franklin Shepard Adam Heller as Charlie Amy Ryder as Mary Flynn and so this cast recording um, has been released and that's the one that we were listening to in the car Miranda oh oh well, thank you yeah so uh, <laughs> San Diego and Washington I just want to mention this one because it was directed by James Lapine or James Lapine, uh, at La Jolla, but it included John Rubenstein as Franklin Shepard and Chip Zien as Charlie. Chip Zien. Yeah, he's great. The Love original him. Baker. Um, oh. And, and um, that name is odd and familiar. In Trousers, March of the Falsettos and Falsetto Land. Yeah. And 25th Annual, Putnam County Spelling Bee. 25th yeah. He's one of my favourite performers, and I'm surprised that I ha- we've got so far into this this uh, show without bringing him up, and he's going to appear on a few of my dream cars from now on, I believe. Okay, darling. Good. Uh, Marin Mazzi as Beth. Yes. Uh, Heather McRae as Mary Flynn. Uh, and then we go to London. I'm not going to. Look, notable from the London. Julian Ovenden, Samantha Spiro, Daniel Evans. Great. Oh, I was talking about the Maria Friedman one. Oh, yeah. okay. So Maria Friedman. But Daniel Evans, um, he was George in the revival of Sunday in the Park. Yes. 
Yeah, so Mark Umbers, Jenna Russell, and Damien Humbly. So in Australia, the first professional production was a Sydney theatre company uh, in 1996. Uh, Tom Berlinson, Tony Sheldon, Peter Tapano, Greg Stone, and Gina Riley. Well, was she oh, gussy? Geez. I bet she was gussy. Gina. Uh, it doesn't say what she was cast as, just that she was cast. I would see her as a gussy. I think yeah. she's a gussy. Yeah. Good. I always forget. Can she sing? Yeah. Like, she yeah. Good she's got an incredible sing. voice. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's, she's a belt behind proper her. singer. All right. Good to know. That's all I want to mention. There's been like Derby Playhouse, there's been Don Ma, but again, like the cast, oh, well, I guess Encores, because that's that's a fun one. Lynn Manuel. Colin Donnell as Franklin Shepherd, Celia Kinnan Bolger as Mary Flynn, and Lynn Manuel as Charlie. Uh, then Elizabeth Stanley as Gussie, Betsy and Wolf. Betsy Wolf as Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Her it's- rendition of Not a Day was amazing. So, can I ask a question of the people who have looked into casting yeah. or know a lot about the show? That would be you. <laughs> I'm looking at Jess. Uh, that original production was cast with all very young people. Correct. Who played, who aged up at the start. Yeah. And then played their actual age by the end. Yeah. But some of that later casting, the more recent revivals, sound like it was kind Older. of the other way around. Yeah. yeah. They played their age at the start. Yeah. And aged down toward the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has something to do with why it didn't succeed the first time round? I uh, sometimes original intention. It's for, more difficult to go the other way. Yeah, sometimes original intention for doing it was that when you got too far into hating or disliking a certain character, you'd go, "Oh, sh- like they're only eighteen. Like you'd like you'd snap you'd snap from it and go, "Oh, they're just kids." But then you'd like you'd get so far deep into it that you you would forget that you were listening to an eighteen year old playing maybe like a you know a forty year old person. Yeah, I don't I, know. I feel like there's a charm in it, and I feel like it could have worked. But I think, um, look, inherently, I think there's a really big problem with casting mm. sometimes. And like with James James Weissenbach, like he had it from the get go. He had Frank from the get go. They just asked him if he could sing when he did the original read-through and then he got cast as Frank. And then it took them, what, a couple of dozen of previews for them to be like, uh, well, this isn't really working. This isn't really working. I, just, I, think, I, think, that I as- think the later productions have switched around from that because they wanted to get names in. Yeah. Yeah, more, well, that's, more reliable. That's, the, other, also, like, that's the-, the other side of, of how that's helpful. Mm. But I just think, you know, for uh, an older person can still – understand what their journey was when they were younger. Yeah. And so they have the breadth of experience to play both. Yeah. A young person is going to be imagining and faking. Definitely. And yeah, I the maturity. Right. Young people make terrible actors. And I think from an audience perspective. Only now. <laughs> right? That's not what I mean. We'll have I to mean, wait a little bit. Playing, but okay. playing a 40-year-old who has made all those choices and got to that place is very different. Yeah. And I think from an audience perspective, I would have a lot of trouble sitting in an audience trying and watching believe. an 18-year-old trying to, to play, a play my experience. Yeah. I yeah. think experience it, of my age. You run the risk of making it look very like, am I watching a high school musical on Broadway? No, no, maybe. 
I just think it would be difficult to play it believably. Oh, yeah. And it would be a hurdle for the audience. It was a big ask. Like, that's for sure. (laughs) And I I do think the writing does have a little bit of that kind of uh, caricature-ness about the characters. Like, I don't – they definitely do have that heart, but I think there is is definitely, like, very deliverable tropes in each character um, that maybe were written in specifically for this younger cast to Well, actually, funny you bring that up. When Jason Alexander was cast – Sondheim said to him, I just want to know a little bit more about your instrument. Like, is there anything that you really struggle with? And he was like, I really struggle with chromatics. I really struggle with hearing them. And then in his song where he's featured really prominently, it was full of chromatics <laughs> because Sondheim wanted him to learn how to do it. But it's like in that instance, do Let's you want – What are you having trouble with? Okay. Yes, <laughs> all of them. <clears throat> do you Zane, want- I just want to know what 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 your instrument is capable of. Like, what what do you struggle with? I'm like, well, I really struggle singing soprano. Uh, right, good soprano. You're in. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what to do now. So, like, if Stephen Sondheim ever asks you what you're struggling with, you just tell him like everything you're really good at, uh, yes. and then you just have an amazing song. For the rest of I really life. struggle with playing like a drunk mother type. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really not suited to the funny fat sidekick. Um, so, if you yeah. could steer away, <laughs> yeah, please, please make please. me the dashing romantic lead. Yeah, no. I just, um. <laughs> One more on this point and then I'm going to let you all move on. It's just interesting to compare that choice to Into the Woods, for instance, where you've got Jack you've and got Little all Red. these complex themes and young characters played deliberately by adults. Maybe you learned the lesson. But it worked in Into the Woods. So which lesson did we learn? Keep trying. Keep trying. Okay. All right. Never mind. Just Let's move on. Know. Yeah. And talk about, what are we talking about? Dreamcast. I'm glad that Jess knows. You get blank looks from the rest of the table. Let's move on. Who would you cast in your dream cast of this musical? Me as Mary Flynn. Okay. (laughs) I really like the thought of David Hyde Pierce as Charlie. Charlie, yes. Yeah. That's nice. Charlie. That I is like nice. the way you said that. Well, no, because when it started saying David Hyde Pierce, I thought he was going to say Frank and I was going to say, oh, no, I think he's too likable for Frank. But you didn't say Frank, you said Charlie. I did. And I, I agreed Charlie. with you then. I'd like um, Laura Benanti for Beth. Yeah, that'd be nice. I would like Zac Efron to play Frank. Oh, oh I was no. thinking Gussie. Uh, Gussie? <laughs> why? <sighs> I think for Frank I would like... Um, after becoming recently obsessed with the roundabout production of She Loves Me, I would love Gavin Creel to play Frank. I, w- I would like that. He's I think, great. I think I would get behind that. After watching him play Kadai, I was like, yeah, you could Could you chuck the them both th- in there? Could you do a Zachary Levi in there Definitely. Somewhere? I think he could do a Frank. Hmm. Yeah. They could, maybe they could, like, split Frankenstein it. Johnny Lee Miller and <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, they'll split it. Charlie Frank, they'll swap every night. I think I'd like a Megan Hilty as a Guzzy. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yep. Julie? Um, yeah. Sorry, you love Megan Hilty, don't you? Is that I do. your favourite? <laughs> yeah. And Sutton? Where are we putting Sutton in this? 
She could be a Beth. That look doesn't pick up on my. She doesn't need to be in this. this no, isn't I don't her think. Show. I don't think. I don't think she's. This isn't this for her. He just did it to bait me. No, I was just making a light of the fact that you don't like Sutton Foster either. For a... but Hunter Foster, <laughs> all I fall for it. <laughs> Ooh. Hunter. Hunter Foster yeah, Hunter as Foster. Charlie. Yeah. yeah, with Zach Efron, if you're going for slightly younger. And Hunter Parrish, just to throw in another Hunter because he's delightful. <laughs> All Hunters. All of the Hunters. What about um, is, is there a role for Mandy Patinkin and Patty in here? Like can we just go classic Sondheim actors and just put them all in? Uh, that's that's gone really old with the whole cast. Yep. There's older Frank later on, but he's like 43 and Mandy's. So who are you going to pick out of the old catalogue for that? Like if you're going to go like an inappropriately old cast. Well, Elaine stretches Mary. If we're going young. <laughs> That's going to be very hard to do. Oh, can't if we're going young, call the yes. David Hyde as older Frank. I don't think we can dig up people to put them in the show. But what well, about Dreamcast? Yes, yes, we can. It's Dreamcast. It can be a dream. Yeah. What about instead of Zach Efron? In... You, can't, uh, you have to put him somewhere. You have to put him in. Yeah, he can be one of the... Not Frank. Um, uh, he could play Joe. I told you, Gussie, and it's fine. Get Jake over it. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Smarmy, yes, please. Yeah, I think he can play that better than Zach. <laughs> and Mary, we know he can sing. Mary's really fun because yeah. I really like Celia Kin and Bolgett, but she even brought up the fact that she thought she was extremely miscast as Mary. Mm. And to be honest, I get it. She is very like... She's very wholesome and I don't know because I, I didn't really get the I, – I didn't get like Anne Morrison playing it until I watched some of the like Bring Back concert to like Mend the Broken Hearts and I was like, no, nah, I get it. I kind of get what Mary is now. I just don't know who's going to play Mary other than me. Well, I mean, I'm happy with you. It. Just like you have it. You just have to do it. I want to play Mary. <laughs> James Gorsi wants to play Charlie. Of course he does. And then we need a Frank. Uh, let's look, yeah, let's well, just put Audrey McDonald as Frank. It'll yes, fine. done. <laughs> <laughs> done because I haven't mentioned done. her yet, and she needs to be in everything because that's my new rule. Oh, she'd be so good as uh, Beth. You Could you she imagine her singing? Not not a day goes by. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just those eyes looking at you, going, "You done did a bad thing. Yep. You <gasps> done did a bad thing, Frank. You're out. You're out now. All right. I think that I think that's that's a pretty good dream cast. Yeah, yep. good. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about top five lists. This show is going to appear on top five lists. Which top five list would it appear on? Top five flops. Oh, poor Sondheim. In, in Specifically fa- Sondheim flops? Yeah, in, yeah. The f- in the fact that, like, everyone was so geared up and then for that to happen. I think it probably, like, top five disappointments in <laughs> yeah. in recent Broadway theatre, you know? Like, yeah. that's... Disappointing Broadway runs. Like, yeah. Well, even, like, the effect that it had on... Prince Sondheim. and Sondheim. Yeah. It's like that 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 separation of the relationship. There's like dramatic top five shows with dramatic personal ramifications. Mm. Not <laughs> okay. a lot. Like, yeah, like, you know, shows go, like shows go bad and stuff happens, but, you know, that was a pretty infamous personal and professional relationship where they relied on each other so much. Like, and then Hal Prince was like, stuff it, I'm going to go do Phantom. Bye. And I, I would say a, yeah. top Big five mistake. critically Speaking of, he's in the country. Who they is? start a Vita rehearsals tomorrow. Hal Prince. Yeah. He's huh. directing it. All right. 
Georgie Harwin, she starts tomorrow. Dear Mr. Prince. Dear Mr. Prince. Here's a list of things we think you did wrong. Please don't put sweatshirts on the people in Evita. Could you imagine? <laughs> don't cry for me, Argentina, with re- Evita. <laughs> Eva Peron. And just like, just like a camouflage sweater. Oh, you know what? I don't hate it. Let's see it. Let's see what happens. Um, well, Miranda said this off air, but top five. Top five backwards musicals. Shows told top in reverse. Top five non-linear plots. Non-linear. That's, that's a bit a, a bigger list. It's a huge list. Uh, I'm struggling to find five, though. Oh, there's a lot of shows that jump around, like Big Fish, for oh, instance. Yeah, oh, I that suppose. does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of shows that do that. Mm. That mm. kind of bouncing around the storyline. Well, line. it's definitely top five backwards. Are there any other? What's the other backwards ones? Half, Half of the of last, last five, five years. years. <laughs> that's true. Um, is there, uh, look, I'm going to put this on a list with Into the Woods, it, worst posters. Like merrily <laughs> mer- yeah. we roll oh, along Oh, the posters. pointing? You don't like oh, the pointing? Yeah, it doesn't don't tell like you. It's got nothing the to do with anything. The title doesn't tell you anything about the musical and the poster doesn't tell you anything about the musical. So coming here tonight, yeah. I knew nothing about the musical. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to put that on why, you. Not on, that not is on. why you need to listen to the podcast, Julie. Okay. So you can learn All right. about so once musicals we, that have poor titles and bad posters. <laughs> once we stop and Zane compresses everything, I'll go then back you can and give listen. it a listen. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that's it for top five I think for me. T- can I say top five overtures for me? Really? Okay. It is one of my favourite overtures. I completely missed it that it had an overture. How did I miss that? I love one. an overture. You, you do love a good overture. overture. It wasn't listed, babe. It was not listed. It's the Perhaps 19... the 1994 York Theatre production didn't have an overture. No, no, no. The 94 does. Huck? The original did not. The original did not. The 94 did. That was it. Yeah. How Sondheim, I've cracked it. You failed because there was no overture. Oh, hey, you pal, Hal. Don't worry. Here's where you went wrong. Dear Mr. Prince, I know you're doing a Vita right now, but I have some thoughts on restaging. On restaging merrily, we roll along. I'll give you my thoughts on a Vita later in this email. (laughs) Any other top fives, ladies? Um, Look, I feel like there probably are, but this show is less known than it should be or than it deserves to be. I think it's an underrated Sondheim. I think it's quite... And so, yeah. Beautiful and profound, but it's overlooked because of problems. Top five musicals with sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Minimalist, minimalist costuming. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the lessons Merrily We Roll Along has taught us. What have we all learned from Merrily We Roll Along? Say it on one, two, three with me, Miranda. Don't, don't cut the, the costumes. costumes. Don't cut the costumes, guys. Ever. It's never <laughs> a good idea. It. And as I also said off podcast, even how Prince has crazy, stupid ideas, and sometimes you shouldn't just give in to people like that. That's what I've learned. So what you're saying is that every time that Mandy Patinkin and Patti Lapone have fought with the director over all the producers about something, they are have been correct. No. Like they've had a good point. <laughs> I look, At I times, think they've had a good point. I think that's a stretch, but the point is sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes what they're asking you to do is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and you're right to question it for a hot second. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of that going on in the late 70s, early 80s of just like weird shit that maybe someone should have gone, seriously, maybe like, oh, come on. I think think there's also something to learn about uh, like the atmosphere inside a rehearsal room slash workshop room um, filling that need for like goodness. Like a good show is not necessarily – great in the rehearsal room but if you're feeling great in the rehearsal room it doesn't mean you have a great show yeah so there's a weird uh kind of dichotomy there yeah sometimes critics are mean for the sake of being mean tall poppies yeah i think such an australian thing you know like sure the show wasn't the best like it's not the best but it's not the worst as we said on the sunday podcast like Mm. When you think of bad musicals, I don't put this up the top of the list. Oh, like, no. absolutely not. It's not that bad. And I feel like people cut it down. And just from my experience of creating new work and experiencing what people like to do to people that make new work and try to do something new and try and cut you down for it, sometimes you just shouldn't listen. Yep. And you certainly shouldn't give up theatre and not write no. Sunday in the Park with George. No. Well, you know, I guess <laughs> – he not only had he had a critical flop, but he, he's also like, uh, like fractured his relationship with Hal Prince, and like a lot of things fell away from Sondheim's life after this. So, but we're glad he came back. Yeah, yeah, he came back and he came back punching. You know. Yeah. So maybe like I've don't 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 uh count count your chickens before they've hatched. I think I from the something sh- like that. I think from what the actual like the show, I learnt that there are more important things to be worried about. And I think as someone who's 25 right now listening to this show and knowing, you know, stuff's going to be real, but like there are more important things like friends and family for you to look after and not be too concerned about yourself. And cheating never works out. No. Be open, be honest. (laughs) Don't be that guy. Don't be frank. Nobody wants to be frank. Well, some people do want to be frank. Well, to and, be frank. To be frank. Um, but I, I think it's also about, you know, if you if you want those things, you have to realise what you're sacrificing yeah. for them and you need to make a decision while you still have a choice yeah. about which one you value more. Are you going to lie awake at night being like, I probably should have been there for this thing? I yeah. wish someone would give me the choice of like mountains of money or my friends, just so that I know that I've made that really choice. Really, same? Just so I've made really? that choice in my life. I'm giving you that choice right now. Would you like mountains of money or my friendship? I don't think you have mountains of money to offer me, so it's not a real choice. Oh my God. It's I, not a real choice anyway, because if you don't pick me, I'm going to be so upset about Miranda. it. Of course I would pick my friends. <laughs> Because I, but I would like to know that I've had that point in my life where I made, I made the choice. I made choice, right. Like, it's like, oh, I don't know what I would do if it came up. I'll buy new friends. <laughs> I will make oh new gosh. friends out of stuffed animals. Made with money. <laughs> All right. With okay, so that's those are the lessons we've learned. Thanks for joining us, Jess, again. Thank you for having me. To talk about Sondheim. And we will be hearing from you again in another couple of weeks with Patrick Aiken, our other special when guest When he host. decides to show up. Yep, show up He's and actually do his homework. in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll be talking you assassins. Be. So we will be talking assassins. Uh, just, just, taking, just, just taking all the Sondheim off the table for everyone else. But I like it. Good. 
All right, well, thanks for joining us. If you want to find out more about the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us at our home on the web, that's not kind of productions.com, and there you'll find all of the episodes that we've done previous to this and all the other podcasts that we are releasing. Julie is on one that is risque, and if you're a child, you shouldn't listen to it. Nope, 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 nope. And it's called And Then They F-K-E-D. doesn't spell anything. Don't try to spell it, kids, because you don't know what it's spelling. But Jess K. Ryan hosts two other podcasts <gasps> on the network. Two? Yep. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm falling behind. <laughs> well, what, what are they, Jess? Uh, well, first one hosted with Ellen Rose Sorensen is Murder in the Land of Oz, where we are exploring the depths of Australian true crime. We are almost uh, – well, at this point – when this is released, we'll be on to our second season. We're going on to New South Wales murders, opening with the backpacker murderer, Ivan Malat. The big one. Ah! Dun, dun, dun. Stoked. Uh-huh. Um, and my second podcast I host with Riley McNamara is um, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, and we talk all things cat, and we mainly get distracted by Fifi the podcast cat. And it's a great time and I really enjoy doing it. And you can find me on Instagram at Jessica Kate Ryan. You can find me on Facebook at Jessica Kate Ryan and be keeping an eye on my socials because I'm going to be like hype, hype, hype. I'm going to be announcing something very soon. That's Woo! right. Announcing okay. something that we're not allowed to announce right now. No. Nah. Soon. Soon. I'm like mesmerized and annoyed that you won't tell me. <laughs> Uh, you may already know, Miranda. You may know. So if you want to find out the extra bonus exclusive episodes that only our Patreons get to listen to, you can go to patreon.com forward slash musical stop me everything I know and you will get one bonus episode every month and they're super funny. I personally vouch for that. Okay. <laughs> I Julie too have been on some them. of them. <laughs> You hosted some of them. We were just talking about this, how you hosted some of them, Julie. I know. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) All right. If you're listening. Oh, wait a second. What? I'm on another podcast too. You can't just not mention me after you mention the other two. Just because they host them and I'm just on it. is on another podcast as well. What podcast is that, Miranda? I'm on Lauren Disorder, the first in the original podcast on the network. The first in the original (laughs) It's true. First and original Good Dungeons girl. and Dragons actual original. play. You did it. I'm so D&D proud of you. Actual play podcast. I play the role of Gwen. Yes, I do. She doesn't have that voice. I don't know where this voice is coming from. <laughs> I'll play Gwen. I'll oh. play Gwen. <laughs> she likes to make spaghetti. But not anymore. I could go no, some spaghetti. because her husband yeah. died, but, you know. It's- this sounds fun. I should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Okay, and if you're listening to us and want to help us out but you don't have any money to to sponsor us with Patreon, give us a rating. like, subscribe. Share, like, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review. Tell your friends. Tell your mother. It's like she does this on three other podcasts. Jess Kate Ryan is got all the buzzwords. Plug, 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 (laughs) plug, plug. All right. As always, I've been Zane C. Weber. Thank you again, Jess, for joining us and to my... Snakes? Silly. I was going to go. Post? I'm like, are you saying surly? Like, where no, are we going here? I was, I was, I was going Sexy. to Sexy. That's the word you need to say, use. I want to hear just committed. it. Stimulating. I was Sensual. actually going to say surreptuous, but that, that doesn't make any sense. Is that even a word? Yeah. He said rectuous. <laughs> Julia Eisentrager. And. Just the average every day. No S's required, Miranda. No S's required. Selwood. <laughs> 
And we will catch you next time when we're probably going to be just as crazy again. be bad? Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. My Songs Suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. That's not kind of productions podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.